welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. I want to start this morning about start as you mean to go on, which is kind of apt at this time of the year, isn't it? I, do you ever find yourself in those situations? Like it's, it can be very embarrassing, right, when you meet somebody new and they tell you, your, tell you their name and you don't get it. Have you ever been in that situation? So what do you do? You ask them again, don't you? And then sometimes you still don't get it. The question is, what do you do then? Right? Have you ever been there? Okay, so we, we, Penny and I do some work in a business, in our own business. And uh, one of the ways I love that Belfast is changing is we have loads of different cultures in the city now. It's fantastic, isn't it? I think we're all better off for it. Uh, but the problem is they all have funny names, right? And uh, I'm not even talking about people like the, the worst. It's not even like people who are, who are from different bits of the world and their names. I, I, I once did a, some work in Cork, right? <laughs> Cork might as well be Timbuktu, right? I'm not even sure they speak. It's just this dialect. And uh, so it was actually an Irish name spoken by a Cork person. I, mean, I was on this course for four days and uh, we were doing the introductions <laughs> so my name's Andrew, and I was like, inside I was going, oh crap, actually, say again, right, so it's like so, so I was like, I, ca I can't go again, I really can't go again, I've just got to suck this one up, and so for the next four days, I called this guy, right, and he was, I either got it, see the thing is, I either got it spot on, or he was just so darn polite he wouldn't say a word to me. So I'd go, yeah, that's a great point, as Mahorna Harna was saying. Mahorna Harna, what do you think? Right? <laughs> because as you start, you sort of go on, don't you? It's really hard to pull it back like four days later. When you go, actually, my name's John. Oh, really? Sorry, why, why, why didn't you say that? And I wouldn't have called you my right? But they all sound like that down there anyway. And um, so it's a good time of the year to think about how you start, isn't it? Because as you start, you will go on. And actually, as you start in something, it's very hard to pull it back whenever you set your stall out a certain way. And uh, we've been in the book of Joshua around the first, like chapters two, three, and four. And I'm gonna um, still talk from, from one bit of that. I, I spoke on a little bit of it before uh, Christmas, um, Adam did a great job last week of pulling that through for us. Um, but I want to go back to a little bit in, in Joshua 4 because there's a, there's a pattern that we see in the Word which, is, which establishes a pattern of grace in your life for 2024. And I, I don't know what you're hoping for. Uh, what I'm hoping for is, I think Adam said it last week, you know, um, Ray says it quite a lot at all right, as, as well, right, Bevan? He says, you know, like Revelation or is better than resolution, because resolution is about what I do, and revelation is about what he has done for me. And so we set our heart not on New Year's resolutions, New Year, New Me, and all that stuff, but on a, re a New Year's revelation of Jesus and his finished work. Because as we look at Jesus and we see Jesus, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, then we go from grace to grace. And for those of you who don't understand that, grace is just the undeserved, unmerited favor of God in your life. It's about not what you do for him, it's about what he has done for you and how you walk in that and receive that every day because the gospel is good news. The gospel is not try harder, the gospel is believe. And as you believe, you will receive. 
And he's not angry with you. He's not upset. He's not disappointed. God this morning, as he looks at you, is not marking your homework and saying, could try harder. He's saying, come to me and just receive all that you need today. Whether it's in your body, in your mind, whether it's in your family, whether whatever circumstance it is, the Lord, we sang it this morning, the Lord is working this morning in your life because he loves you with an everlasting love. And that love does not depend on you. Let's just get the basics right at the start of the year. It never depended on you. When you were at your worst, he loved you first. And the Bible says, now, how much more does he love those who he's given his life for? How much more? If you thought he loved you to reach into your deepest mess, it's a different kind of love now that you're one and in his family. Do you get that? And that's about his goodness, not yours. His faithfulness, not your effort. That's the gospel. The gospel's great news for you. The gospel promises you that at the start of this year, uh, it's not even at the start of this year, it's the start of every minute of every day, your slate is clean, wiped clean. And you can always look forward with hope and expectation and faith that your best days are in front of you because he who spoke it is faithful. Your past does not have to impact your today and your future. Right now in this moment, the Lord says it's done. I love you. And my promise always calls you up for more. Amen? That's the gospel of grace. I love it. I love the fact that that's good news for us this morning. That uh, we can stand here as we've done and we can sing and we can, uh, we can be excited about the fact that whatever comes our way in 2024, he is faithful above it all. So let's read in, in, in Joshua because as you start, you go on. Uh, it says here, let's say we read together. It should be on the screen. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe. I'm going to talk about the bit again where they lift stones and they carry them with them because there's a bit I didn't get to before Christmas that I want to, I want to cover off. But it's a great start of the year. Because remember, the context of this story is they are going to start, the Lord is going to establish a pattern in their life. As you step into promise, okay, you're going to build a pattern and start as you will continue. Do you, know, do you know that's like faith? You know, it's like um, we talk all the time. How, how am I supposed to live this Christian life? How am I supposed to figure it out? Well, the Lord says that, you know, as you received me, continue to walk in me. Do you get that? You know that verse? As you receive Christ, it was through faith. It wasn't through work. It was through faith. So continue to live your Christian life in faith. Faith in what grace has done. So there's always something about the first thing that happens is carries through the rest of your days. And this is what's happening here. There's a pattern that we see in the children of Israel as they walk into grace, into a place of grace that the Lord says, this is gonna be not just important for the start, but you're gonna live your whole life like this. And so before you go any further into the journey, let me establish what's really important, the Lord says. Because, and as you establish that, this principle, what it will do is it will carry you through to a greater experience of me. Because the first battle that they're gonna face after this is Jericho. And they're not going to see Jericho fall because they work harder, they fight harder, they're very clever. They're going to see Jericho fall because of what the Lord established just before they even set eyes on it. Is that all right? So what the Lord's saying to you today is that what he's, he's speaking to you today about, he's establishing in your life because the next thing that you're going to walk out to or what's going to go on in your life this year, he's establishing it and planting the seed in you today so that when you're facing your Jericho, it'll over, you'll overcome it. Does that make sense? So let's read. So um, take for yourselves, verse two, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe and every, 
and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel. That this may be a sign amongst you that when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Now, I'll go down to verse 19. Now, the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God. It's such an amazing story, isn't it? In verse 2, I want to say this, that if, if you want to live, there, there's a, the, the pattern here that the Lord is establishing is one of thankfulness and gratefulness. Do you get that? It's where, and grace is actually the root of thankfulness. It says here in verse 2, take 12 stones from here out of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodged tonight, where you lodged tonight. So what, I, I said this before Christmas, but I want to reiterate the point. What we, what we have to establish as a pattern in our lives, and this is a choice that we will all make this year, to be grateful. If you want to live a life of gratefulness and thankfulness, that will catapult you into a greater experience of God's grace. I'm going to explain to you why, because grace is the root of thankfulness. What, what do I mean by that? When you experience the unmerited favor of God in your life, for undoubtedly every single one of us through 2023 can say God was faithful, can't we? Yeah, let me hear you. Was God faithful? Amen. Of course he was. And so what happens here, the, the Lord says, take that experience where, where you stood and you felt the waters lap around your knees and your ankles, where it looked like what was in front of you could have, you could have drowned in it, when it looked like it could have overcome you, when you were looking forward and going, I have not got the first clue how to get there. I don't know what it's going to look like, but what I do know is where I'm standing and where I want to be and where I need to be and where I feel like I am called for, it's just too big between where I am and where I need to go, but God carried you through, amen? And you stand today as a product and as a trophy of grace, as a trophy of favor, because honestly, if it was down to any one of your individual like reckoning of how good you were, we're all stuffed, aren't we? I mean, every one of us fails every day. We fail miserably every day. Thank God for grace who steps in Jesus himself and goes, it's my goodness, not yours. And so what happens is in the middle sometimes of dysfunction, in the middle of our failure, in the middle of our inability, in the middle of our lack, in the middle of our lack of faith, he carries us through. And what he says is bring that with you. Bring grace with you because when you realize you stand here today on the whatever it is, the 7th of January, as a trophy of grace, what else can you say other than thank you, Jesus? Do you get that? 
Thank you, Jesus. Not, oh, well, Lord, you know what? Me and you figured this one out. Didn't we do great? Luckily for you, Lord, I was on my A game from nearly four weeks of the year last year. I know the other 48 weeks of the year, you had to carry me. Your back was probably broken carrying me. But you know what? Those four weeks, man, I nailed it. Joe, thanks be to God. It's bonkers, isn't it? You see, actually, this is why we preach grace week after week. This is why the gospel is grace, because it changes the position of your heart to say, thank you, because without you, I was doomed. I was going under. I would not be standing here today. It doesn't matter how clever I am, how much money I have, what I have done in my life. I am not equipped to deal with the world that I live in because I need him every day. And so therefore I can say, thank you, Jesus. And he says, see those moments. Don't leave them a year behind you where God was faithful, where you can stand here today and say, do you know what? The doctors might have said one thing, but I'm standing here strong. You know, my boss might have said one thing, but I am here, I am blessed. It might have looked like interest rates and gas prices and food prices might have sent me over the edge this time last year, but look at us all. <laughs> we do look pretty well fed, to be fair, some of us. <laughs> Pot calling kettle, I get it, but you know what I mean? There's not one of us starved this year, did we? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? See, what happens in when it's self, when you think that you earn it, what you tend to do is you tend to leave it behind and move on to the next thing. And then you live ungrateful. You live critical of other people. And you live with this constant dissatisfaction. And what, what's happening, if you think about the context, the Lord is saying, what I want you to do is I want you to bring your experience of my faithfulness with you, my, your experience of grace, remind yourself of it every day. Start as you mean to go on in the place of grace. Does that make sense? Because if you do that, you're going to see Jericho fall. You get it? The next battle that they had, the next thing that they had to face was impossibility again. I've, I've preached on Jericho before. I might do it next week just to round this up. But Jericho is fortified. It's built in. It's not going anywhere. It's not just a nice big, like, it's not like Carrick Fergus Castle. Do you know what I mean? This thing was like deep, deep, deep into the ground. The way they built it, it was, you know, even like, they say today, even like some of the modern warfare and bombs, would, you would need like those bunker buster bombs, you know, the ones that go right deep into the ground to try and shift this thing, the way they built it. But God said, bring these, okay, set, bring these stones, these memories, these experiences with you and set them there. Make sure you can see them, Right? because that's going to be your victory. Do you realize your victory is your thankfulness in what grace has done for you? It's not your effort. That's your victory this year. Your victory is Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused, Jesus-appreciative of who he is and what he has done for you. That will be your victory. That's what, that, that. and he says, start this year as you mean to go on. Shall we read a wee bit more? He says that, you know, Hebrews 12, verse 2 is an interesting verse, isn't it? I was reading this this week. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's just put a full stop there, right? I put a wee line down, I think, yeah. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You're flipping, Nora. That sounds like hard work, doesn't it? Yeah? Let us run with endurance. Grit your teeth and run the race that God has set in front of you. Every day, get up. 
here we go, beat your chest, get into a wheelie bin full of, he's a buck agent. We, do you know what? He gets up every week and he says, I'm in a wheelie bin. At some point, we just need to call it out and go, wise up. Do you know what I mean? You're not, you're not half sensible, all right? Just, just call that out, all right? <laughs> like I've said, I can get into the wheelie bin. I'm going to struggle to get out of that thing. They need to knock me over to get me out, but anyway, just for the record, all right? It's like running races, getting into wheelie bins, wise up. <laughs> but then look, it says what? Looking unto Jesus. Can I just unpack this for you? The author and finisher of our faith. It's interesting. It says run the race. And that literally when you translate that, when you go back into the, the language, it goes, literally it just means to keep going in the course that God has for you. Then it goes How? It goes, looking unto Jesus. And what's really interesting here, this is a word, aphoro. And it's, it's a, a cognate, it's, a, it's two words put together. One is apo and one is haro to see. So one is look away and see. So when you put these two words together, when you look to Jesus, what it means is looking away from all else, fix your gaze upon Jesus. Do you get that? Isn't that lovely? Looking away from everything else, fix your eyes on Jesus and fix your gaze on him. Why? Because Isaiah 26.3 tells us this, that you'll keep him or her in perfect peace when his mind is stayed on you. I, I want to encourage you to start this year, okay, with your gaze, with your attention. What does that mean? It means your heart. It means what you give your attention and your heart to this year, focused only on the grace of Jesus. Because what happens when you do that is that there is a thankfulness and a gratefulness about you that will be your victory for what is to come. Do you, do you get that? I know for me, I, that you're, you're always tempted to look at so many different things, aren't you? We hedge our bets. I don't think I'm any different to anyone else. You know, when you think about your finance, it would be great to think we go, Jesus, like, I trust you. But we don't do that all the time, let's be honest. For those of us of a certain age, we look at our pension and investments, how are those doing and what have I got and what's coming in. And for some of us, we'll look at, for me, just another 55 years of hard labor, it feels like. <laughs> Have kids. They said it'll be fun. Flip me, they're expensive, aren't they? So I'm just encouraging them to grow quickly. When can you get rid of them? It's like, it's 13 too young. Never? Oh, okay, there you go. 13, 14, I think just out you go, make your way, go west and make your way. <laughs> but isn't it funny where you think, look, you, you, you kind of, we, we love to think that, you know, yes, Jesus, you alone. But Paul, we think it was Paul writing to the, to, to the Hebrews there, he goes, don't have your gaze on anything else other than Christ. Why? I actually think, it, I mean, and this is what we see here. I mean, it's the same principle the whole way through, isn't it? I'm trying to make this really simple today because if, if, we, if we're not thinking about God and his grace, if we're not thinking about Jesus and his finished work, right? what will happen is we'll, we'll live with ungrateful hearts and ungrateful hearts just lead to doubt and unbelief. Why? Because ungrateful hearts are rooted in what I do and what I bring, but a heart centered on Jesus is about who he is and what he, do, what he brings. I don't know what that's been like for you at the start of this year. Maybe you've carried across old patterns from 23. I don't know. 
But I, I, Penny and I were chatting. Uh, we were away seeing her parents um, straight after Christmas, and we got a bit of time to chat. And I was going, I don't want to do 2023 like, or 24 like I did 23. Like, it was a great year in many ways, but in m- many ways I, I felt frustrated when I look back to go, I could have done that better. I could have had a different pattern established. And we talked about that. And uh, that's where this talk started to come from. Well, as you start, it's not about resolution. It's about revelation. As I start, that's how I will go on. I'll build that into my life. I'll build into that, into my life, the rhythm of Jesus and his grace for me. And how do I do that? Well, I read, I study, I listen to, to worship music that lifts Jesus. I don't just you know, have a revelation secondhand from me every Sunday, but I go to the Word and I ask the Lord to speak to me. For You, know, you can't live off my revelation this year, folks. You've got to find your own. I will encourage you and point you to Jesus at every opportunity that I can, but you've got to, you've got to find your own revelation. You've got to have your own gaze. You have got to, you've got to see him every day for yourself. Because when your back's against the wall, that's where the Lord draws from you, that which he put into you. And gratefulness is, is really important because the, the lesson's the same. When, when you're thankful, actually, you acknowledge that this is not your effort that produced any, any prosperity or blessing in, in your life. And that's why God told them to build a memorial. It wasn't so that they would live in the past. It, they would be, this place is called Gilgal, and they're going to move past Gilgal. They're not going to live there. But what would happen is they would have a reminder for them and for everyone else that came after them of the incredible way that God delivered them. And when you set your mind on Jesus, on his work, on his love, and on his grace, you have a reminder that your strength is not what counts, but it's his power and his strength in you. And, you know, I I think many of us have forgotten that. Battling through life, thinking that the victory will come at the power of our hands, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And this is such a simple word, but I just want you to really consider this. It's like, how have I started this year? And because we've got time to, to change, we've got time to change that. And to establish, to go, Lord, this year, you know, have I, how am I prioritizing your presence? Remember for the last sort of two months of last year, I encouraged you to sit with Jesus and just allow him to love on you. Remember that? Well, that hasn't changed. To sit in those moments and just allow the Lord to love on you. You can bring all your stuff if you want. That's fine. But you'll get bored after about two minutes of telling the Lord what he already knows. All right? It's good sometimes that we, we can get it and we can vocalize it, but he knows it already. And actually sometimes he just wants you to sit in his presence, right? <sighs> Take a breath and just let him start to speak, to connect, and to be found in the presence of Jesus. And maybe even in those moments, just rather than saying, Lord, what about, is to say, Lord, thank you for. Thank you for. What happens is, it's funny, Penny and I were doing a bit of stuff for our business and we were looking at the whole thing of gratitude. And like, there's, there's this kind of thinking, there's this like neuroscientists, right? Clever people. And uh, they, um, they've figured out that they're not Christian, no Christian faith in this at all, but just why gratitude is important. It's because it trains your brain, actually. And so what happens is when you don't have an attitude of gratitude, see what it did there? He said, rap, okay. He <laughs> said... <laughs> That was brilliant. You can't teach it. It's just innate. It's just in there. Right? He said, what was I saying? If you have an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> what they found out in the world is that um, 
you, it starts to totally frame differently how you see things, right? When you're ungrateful, you will always look for things that are lacking. You, you just interpret your whole situation like that. When you're grateful and you're thankful, you can look at the same situation and see it differently. Because, and actually, this is what people in the world, are, they're saying to people, you need to be more thankful, you need to be more grateful. I've said, yeah, that works for about three days, doesn't it? Then you're back to normal. That's why you've got to be, your gratefulness can't be in anything other than Jesus and his work for you, right? Because that, that's, that's in the spirit, why it's different. But it's interesting that actually the world is going, yeah, it, it totally frames differently how people see the world. And if you want to live, you actually live seeing things that you wouldn't see otherwise as you start to train your brain for that, which is good. And it got me thinking, going like, that's, the world thinks it's dead clever. It's already in the word of God, isn't it? To go this year, we can train ourselves and, and to see what God is doing. And when we see what God, see what happens is when, it's a, when we're unthankful and we don't train ourselves that way, the result is doubt and unbelief when we're called to live by faith with our minds stayed on him because when we're thankful and we see God working and we start to see the patterns of God's goodness, it builds faith in us for what is to come. Do you get that? That's where faith comes from. That's how faith grows and builds in us. It's interesting that in 1 Peter 5, 5, I love this. It says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I, I was taught this verse so so many times, it's like, you know, in Bel and particularly in Belfast, sort of Northern Ireland parlance, we love this, don't we? Like, see your man, he's somewhere about himself, isn't it? Have you ever heard yourself saying that? Who's your man think he is? This horrible, cynical Northern Ireland approach, which frankly does my head in, right? Because what we've, <laughs> what we've done is we've kind of, I'm not, I'm not saying we should all become American. I know Tom Knight's listening this morning, Tom, bless you, out there in Nineveh, but you know what I mean? It's like where... They can kill dead things over there. Not Tom. Tom's lovely. I don't want to wreck a relationship. As he's, I know he's listening this morning. But what I'm saying is everyone in America, apart from Tom Knight and his family and his, and his church and the other Americans who listen in. <laughs> but do you, know what, do you know what I mean? Just give me a nod just to go, yeah. All right, yeah. Okay. It's like, yeah, just, you get it. Whereas we're the complete opposite. But what we've done and what religion has told us to do is go, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Actually, we've completely misunderstood that. When God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, that doesn't mean that you've got to downplay who God has made you to be. That's not what it means. The proud here, God resisting, right, is the word antitestai in Greek. What it means is he ranges against, right? But the word is here is is those who are proud. Well, let's go to the word humble. He gives grace to the humble. He gives undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor to those who are tapenos in Greek, which simply means God-reliant, not self-reliant. You get that? Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Doesn't mean get under the hand of God because it's mighty. And if you think too much of yourself, he's gonna give you a digging. It's going, the, you know what I mean? Have you ever thought that? Oh, if you think too much, the Lord will come with a backhand of glory and slap you one. Because he's just, see you, just shut up. You know that? Because that's what the Lord does, doesn't he? Don't be thinking too much of yourself, boy, because I'm... That's not what it means. What it says is this. It's like he will stand against 
you when you're self-centered, right? He stands against it. Why? Because it leads to doubt and unbelief. Therefore, the safest place that you can be is under the mighty hand of God where you're reliant on him. Because if you're under his hand, the picture is when you're there, he's protecting you. So humbling yourself is not going, oh, I'm just a wee worm in the presence of Jesus. It's about going, I am so reliant on God that his hand of protection is is on top of me and therefore I'm in the safest place possible. That's what it means. And so for me there, I go, that's where I want to be. I want to have that in my life this year. His power, his presence, and his promise. I want to live not with this half. I want to start this year even more so in a place where I go, I'm under the mighty hand of God, where I am safe and protected and provided for. I'm under the mighty hand of God, where he is shielding me from everything that goes on around, where he's making a way for me, and I get to rest in peace and grace under his mighty hand for no other reason other than I'm just trusting and relying on him, and I'm keeping other things to the side. Do you get that? That's the way we want to start. And so how how do we do it? Is this okay? Are you feeling encouraged? Good. Let me just, I'm going to round it up. There's a few things I just want to say. In Philippians 4, it's like, how do we do this? Okay, in Philippians 4, it says this, celebrate God every day. I love this. I mean, revel in him. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Now, do you know what the word prayer means? I think I'm going to probably teach this again at some point this year. To pray is not an exhaustive list of God. Do you have it? Let me remind you, Lord, because I know you're busy, but this is kind of going on, right? That's not prayer. Prayer means to come forward and to exchange your weight for his grace. That's what it means. So prayer is about exchange. Whenever Jesus went away to pray, like some of us feel like, oh my goodness, I couldn't do that because we have these horrific memories of prayer meetings, don't we? You know what I mean? I used to fall asleep. I, was, I went to a charismatic church and I could fall asleep in a charismatic prayer meeting. Beat that one. When they were, they were casting the demons out of everything under every rock, shouting to the north, the south, the east, the west. They were doing the whole flipping thing, praying for the Roycos, whatever that was. Sounded something like needed cream rubbed in it as far as I was concerned. All this kind of, oh, we're praying for a Roycos. That sounds awful. Uh, anyway, I've told you the stories. Praying in a circle. Andrew, your turn. <laughs> Penny was horrified. I was banned from home groups. Don't bring him, he falls asleep. That's the truth. But after you've listened to 16 people pray for every one of their 12 mates, right? After three hours, any man would fall asleep. Do you get me? Desperate. Amen. I just used that. Amen. Whatever she said, amen. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And so what would happen is we, we, we need to learn what it says here, you know, um, instead of worrying, pray. pray. The, the actual word for prayer is I come to the Lord and in that moment, see that moment of connection that I'm talking about in the presence of Jesus? Right there, what you do is you just give your care to him and he takes it from you because First Peter says he cares for you. I exchange my weight and my worry and my fretting for his peace and his grace. And I go from that place knowing that Jericho will fall, right? So let's keep going. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns, all right? For me, what we have done under religion is go, we have to like enter his gifts, I get all that. 
But what I've done is I've sometimes, and, and even Adam said it last week, you know, it's like sometimes if it's just a moan or a groan, right? God knows. But before you know it, what happens is a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and will settle you down. It's not lovely language. This is the message version, by the way, if you're wondering what it is. It's wonderful what happened, what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Verses eight and nine, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, and gracious. The best, not the worst. Wouldn't, what would it be like in your life if you thought the best of the people around you and not the worst? Just let that one sink. What if you thought the best and not the worst? Why are we predicated on sometimes just going to the worst of somebody? I don't know. The word says we'll do better when we think the best of them. What's the best of them? What does Jesus say about them? The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me when you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Isn't that lovely? I think that is where we need to start as we mean to go on. Because when we do that, I'm absolutely convinced that if it's not your strategy for 2024, then you're probably don't have the right strategy to want to have, for want of a better word. Because there's gonna be challenges. You're gonna to need to step out of your comfort zone. We definitely are as a church this year. There's gonna be things that are gonna to appear to be quite scary. We're gonna to need to have steps of faith. Where will that faith come from? Because you, in the moment, when your back's against the wall, are crossing your spiritual fingers, hoping that it's gonna be, not at all. It's gonna be from the moments of connection with Jesus in that place where you bring your experience of his faithfulness, you let him there exchange the weight for his goodness, and from there, faith builds in you. If you struggle that you don't have faith, it doesn't just drop like the dove from above. Faith comes from connection with, with the one who is faith. Do you get that? His life flowing in you. When that life flows in you and you will find faith rising, when you remind yourself of his goodness, when you dwell on his goodness, when you consider for even five minutes more a day than what you do now, not to make a law of it, but just to simply ask yourself, what am I filling my pot with? Am I filling it with fret and worry or sitting just in the present, out in Jesus' name? That's a joke, <laughs> And uh, that's the old charismatic in me, serious. That was a wee joke, by the way, total joke, right? <laughs> but in that moment, right? in that moment, those moments of connection, what I find is that faith rises in me, right? That's, that's what the word says here. He'll come and he'll settle you down. Does anyone need settle down as to think about what's going on this year? No? Sometimes I think I do. He'll settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So there we go. Let me just finish by saying three things. The threshold of something new is always marked by thankfulness in the word. This is a pattern that you see the whole way through the Bible. When God starts something new, when God brings you into a new place, it always starts with thankfulness. You'll see it in Jesus. Let me tell you why, okay? At the very beginning here, as they enter into the promised land, the Lord is saying, bring the stones with you, set them up, 
Tell your children, because in that place, you will see your victory. Now, why? Because let me say, number one, Thanksgiving always prepares the way for blessing. I, I honestly believe that ungrateful people never walk in the fullness of God. Why? Because I've just told you why, right? When you're ungrateful, you're self-centered. When you're self-centered, your mind's not stayed in the Lord. It's set on yourself. God resists that. And he says, no, be God-reliant and put yourself under my hand. Why? Because under my hand is where the, the blessing of God is. Do you get that? It's not by the work of your hand. It's under my hand. That's grace. Grace is where we position ourselves under the mighty hand of God, God-reliant and God-trusting in the undeserved, unmerited favor of Jesus. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus faced something completely impossible, how do you feed five, well, probably 20,000 people with a packed lunch, right? What was the first thing he did? You know, he gave thanks. Eucharisteo, your grace works well, right? He declared it. So before he said to anything, the first thing he did was he looked to his father and said, thank you. The situation was completely impossible, right? But his faith and trust and confidence expressed itself in what? In thanks first. The result was massive overflow. So I'm telling you now, whenever we bring this with us into the presence of Jesus this year, it will prepare you for blessing. When you can't see it, thank him that he is the way maker. When you don't know what he's doing, thank him that you don't need to know because he knows. When you can't see the way forward, just be so grateful and let it be a declaration that you know the way forward, Lord. And so I'm standing on that promise today. That's what it looks like. That's where faith comes from. Number two, if you're discouraged at any time, your thanksgiving will overcome that. Paul wrote, you know that Paul wrote those verses in Philippians 4 um, when he was being persecuted? <laughs> Isn't it brilliant? Celebrate God. All, let me read them again. I want you to set in the context. He's actually being persecuted. He's in hardship and he's really discouraged when he writes this. He was not sitting writing this from a, a conference where they just had three hours of worship, a couple of prophetic words, and we're looking forward to a nice lunch. Do you get that? That's not what was going on here. He was actually under pain of death here, being persecuted. And what does he say? Celebrate God all day. I mean, every day. Like, revel in him. Don't fret or worry. Like, there's not many people trying to kill you today. But these people were trying to kill him. And he's going, I'm not worried. I'm not fretting. Instead of worrying, let's just bring it to God and exchange it. Petitions and praise will shape our worries into prayers. Let God know our concerns. Before you know it, God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle us down. Right? And 16 times in the book, 16 times, 1-6, in the book of Philippians, he tells them to rejoice and be thankful. Why? Because as we said earlier on, Psalm 69, 30, it magnifies God. It makes him, it's not that, as Alan, Alan, Adam said, it's not that God becomes bigger. In our view and in our perspective, he becomes bigger. Right? God doesn't need to become any bigger. Let's magnify the Lord. Let's make the Lord bigger in this situation. He's God. You don't make God any more God by your declaration or not, but what it does is it changes you and your view of him. You get that? We're not calling down God like the dove from above. Oh, now God has appeared into this situation and it's bigger. He is God, God eternal, God almighty, God forever. And what happens is in that moment, we, we start to, as Psalm 69, 30 says, we, with thanksgiving, with God reliance under the mighty hand of God, all of a sudden, his view, his word, his promise becomes bigger than that which we're facing. Two more, two last things. Actually, the, the, I said earlier on that um, the root of thanksgiving is to think, and the root of gratitude is grace, when you look at the original words, okay? And so what I would probably say to you is this, when you feel discouragement, 
what's happened. You've probably allowed circumstances, people, words to become bigger than the truth of what God says about you and the promise that he's speaking over your life. When as an act of your will, you speak the truth of God, you remind yourself of who he is and what he's done, what happens is that truth is magnified and that truth becomes bigger. Number three, if you ever feel anxious even this week, um, Thanksgiving will overcome your anxiety. Amen. The word, the word that says that the anxiety of a man's heart weighs him down, literally it says it chokes or strangles him. And let me tell you this. Do you know, where, do you know why you'll feel anxious this year? It might be about business. It might be about money or health or whatever. Anxiety is about control. It's an attempt for you to try to control that which is uncontrollable. Whenever there's a gap between what you think you can do and what needs to be done, in that gap, anxiety and worry comes. So anxiety is actually about, I can't control what's in front of me. I'm not able to. Do you get that? That's, that's the root of anxiety. Now, 40% of what you will be anxious about will be future events that never happen. That's the truth. 30% is normally about the past, and you can't change it anyway. 12% is needless health worries. Go into Google, and you're going to be dead by next Tuesday. 10% are petty concerns. And only 8% of what people are anxious about is actually in any way legitimate. Isn't that incredible? Now, what does the word say? Instead of that 92% of stuff controlling your heart and your mind, which leads to doubt and unbelief, instead, pray. Bring it to the Lord with thankfulness and thanksgiving. And it'll be wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And the last thing I want to say is this, that when you're thankful, it releases the power of God into your situation right in that moment. Wherever you go, give thanks to the goodness of God in your life and you release the power of God in that very moment. Why? As I've told you a thousand times from this pulpit, the root of the word means repeat it, Lord, do it again. When you release this into your family, if you have been healed this year, thank him for it because when you thank him for it, he does it again. When you've received blessing financially, thank you, Lord, releases it again. There's something in the spirit of testimony which is about do it again, Lord. What we don't want to be is like the people who receive from the Lord, consume it, and then just go, like, what, what, what's the next bit? You know that kind of like kids? Isn't it amazing? Like, it doesn't happen with our kids, but I heard it happens with other kids at Christmas. <laughs> the way they get really nice stuff like, I'll, actually, yesterday, we went for a walk, and um, I'm going to tell you this story. It was funny. So our hope, right, just has a bit of a sweet tooth. And so we went to Maud's in Newcastle, and she ordered a, she, she, she has a waffle. We have a Maud's around the corner from us, and the kids are sometimes going to Friday afternoon after school. And uh, yesterday, I was just sitting there going, oh, Jesus, this is, like, you give me these examples, when I'm preaching on this stuff, and I love it. So the place was rammed. I sat down because I couldn't be bothered, and Penny was dispatched to go and order the kids' food, right? And they wanted waffles, you know, waffles with, like, chocolate sauce, and Hope has a particular one that they do in Ballyhack, but it hasn't reached Newcastle, okay? Because it's kind of 1985 down there, right? And so in the discussion, Hope ended up with a lovely waffle, lots of fresh fruit, a bit of Greek yogurt, and some... Uh, syrup or something, right? Well, her face, you'd have thought somebody had just slapped her like that, right? 
and fed her a plate of, I don't know, dog poo to eat, right? It was just, she sat there, right? <laughs> because she didn't have chocolate and ice cream on it. That was the issue, right? So I was like, Pen, do you know what? Like softy, I mean, I'll go and get her some wee ramekin of chocolate sauce. So she eats that. She pours it over, cracks half a smile, right? At this point, Sophie's hasn't arrived, right? So she eats her way through it, and is that better? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then, just as she puts her last mouthful, fork in, Sophie's has sat down. Sophie's is a work of art. I mean, it, it is just, I mean, it was a crepe with exactly the ice cream that Hope wanted and didn't get. <laughs> Chocolate sauce with Sophie written on it. And you know, it's like, forget angels above it singing. Right? And, I th- I, and I knew, what, I thought, I'm going to watch this here. Watch this. Well, so Hope, like every mouthful that Sophie put in to her mouth, Hope was like this. It's so funny. No kids. And I'm going, like, Penny, why do you raise them like that? Seriously? <laughs> this point we go, definitely spend more time with you than me, love. Know what I mean? Isn't it funny? Like, she has just stuffed her face with a massive waffle with chocolate sauce. And, and then, <laughs> but Sophie got that. Like, and in that moment, she's like, <laughs> raging. I mean, and not even pretending. Like, she's genuinely cross. So she actually sat like a dog. I just watched Sophie put in every... And Sophie's so flipping soft. Sophie then, would you like some? <laughs> so Sophie puts some on her plate and she eats it and then she's back for more. And I'm like... <laughs> I was just too tired to deal with it, actually, frankly. Do you know what I mean? Because Penny had gone up and I said, get us a scone. And she came back with it. I don't know what it was. And I was like... It was all, the whole thing was just going from bad to worse. But you know what was funny? We were in the car driving home and uh, I was going, well, that was good treats and all. And... <laughs> Hope went. What? She says, I got a wee pot with flipping Greek yogurt in it. What good is that to anybody? <laughs> like, she really took the hump over this. And I'm going, you've literally just, right, had a, like a massive treat coming off the back of two weeks of Christmas where you were spoiled rotten. But you know what was interesting? Look, it's a laugh, right? Don't judge us. We're probably just normal people. But it's interesting, we're trained to go, what do I not have? And I'll be ungrateful what I, for what I don't have rather than looking at what I've just been blessed with. Isn't that the truth? I don't think as big grown-ups we're any different. We see it in kids because they're unvarnished. They don't have the ability to con- kind of maybe like control it like we do, at least control it to what other people see. Like with kids, it's just all out there. And quite frankly, it is funny. Do you know what I mean? Let's just say we had words, right? In a really nice way. Like, come on, love, wise up. But it's funny, right? It's funny, but that's what happens is whenever we, you know, we, we don't want to live like that. We want to start differently this year as we mean to go on. Saying, Lord, where you've brought me through, I'm going to set this at the center of my life. I'm going to let Christ displace the worry. Christ displace the anxiety. Christ displace the discouragement to build faith in my life that no matter what comes my way, I can stay under the mighty hand of God, knowing that right there, as long as I'm God-reliant, then every Jericho will fall. Amen? Amen. Start as you mean to go on. Start as you mean to go on. Why don't you stand to your feet and we'll pray. Worshipy people, if you want to come up.
<clears throat> we're going to take our offering um, as we uh, as we sing this song of worship just close your eyes for a moment and let me pray over you Father I, I thank you that every one of us today has so many things to be grateful and thankful for I want to thank you, Father, for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. If God's been good to you, say amen. Lord, thank you for providing for us, Lord. Thank you for keeping us upright and above ground. Lord, thank you for, you know, protecting us every day, Lord, for, you know, giving us, you know, food in our stomachs, money in our bank accounts, Lord. Thank you for giving us a place, Lord, where we can worship and receive grace upon grace every week. Lord, thank you for so many things, Father that you pour into our life. Thank you, Lord, that you protect us even when we're not aware of it, that you're working even when we don't see it. Lord, thank you that our whole lives are protected under the mighty hand of God. We're in a safe place, Lord, where you are strong to provide, protect, to work, Lord, to deal with everything that comes against us, Lord. You are stronger still. We thank you for that. When we start to put our minds to that, Lord, we will see that this year, Lord, we are gonna see more and more of your goodness. I declare that over my family. We're going to see more of your goodness. We're not going to see less of your goodness. We're going to see more of it, Lord. I am hungry for more of the goodness and the faithfulness of God manifest in my life. Lord, I know that that's what you have for us. I know that that's what you speak over us. I know, Father, that you're not a God who retreats or subtracts, but you're a God of addition and multiplication. Lord, when you bless, you multiply it. You increase it. Father, filled filled, filled to overflowing. That is the promise of God, the promise of his grace. I speak it over every family, over every life, over every mind this morning. I pray that this year would be your best year yet. I speak it in faith and I declare it. I don't care whether you're 79 or you're 19 or you're nine. When God turns up, when God in his grace is in your life, he always says the best is yet to come. That is the hope of glory. And we will keep saying that until we stand in eternity with him forever. He is not a God of retreat. He is a God of advancement and multiplication. So we say thank you for that, God. We don't know how it works. We don't need to kind of get ourselves mixed up in that. Sometimes we need to have simple faith that says, God, I'm under your hand, your strong hand, where you, I'm reliant on you, trusting in you and your grace. And in that place, we thank you that no matter what we face, it'll fall. Amen.